have to say it's a, a very good sign when you need a wheelbarrow for your offering. <laughs> In all my years of pastoring, we never needed a wheelbarrow, so kudos to your generous hearts. Um, thank you for having me here today. Uh, my name is Mark Ferran, and so I serve as a regional superintendent I'm in the Central District, which is in Iowa um, and, and South Dakota. Um, I serve under the leadership of Mike Shields, who is our district superintendent. Um, and so a big part of my role is working with church plants, seeing new churches get started, as well as working with our, our church plants, kind of helping them move towards being a full member church. Um, and then I work with a lot of our existing churches as well, um, with elder boards, um, churches that are in seasons of transition, looking for their next uh, pastoral staff, as well as seasons of hardships and trials um, coming alongside our congregations. So thank you guys, because you guys partner with my role. Uh, the role used to be called Church Planning Missionary, and it expanded a lot. Um, and so I'm able to serve churches um, because of the, the partnership of congregations like yours. So thank you so much for um, blessing me in that way. So today we're going to be in John chapter 15. Um, before you turn there, I'm just going to pray again. Um, Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you are a good God, and I thank you for your word. I ask that today you would speak clearly to us and that you would fill us with your joy and that you would implant inside of us just a deep desire to abide with you. I just pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, while you're turning to John 15, I wanted to tell you a story. Um, years ago, when I was in college in Wisconsin, um, I worked at an apple orchard. And I kind of just got connected indirectly, and it was a very big learning process for me. Uh, because I think when I was a kid and even growing up, I just assumed that apple orchards meant you, you planted apple trees and people came and picked them and threw money at you. Um, and you just kind of sat back and nothing else went into it. Um, but as I worked there, I just learned the amount of work and intentional effort that goes into caring for apple trees. Um, so one of the big things we would do is we'd have to go and basically pick up branches that fall off and lots of apples will just fall off of the trees, and you have to go clean them up, because if you don't, they will rot, and they'll collect a lot of bugs that will begin to damage the trees. And in the same way, um, if you just let a, a tree grow however it wants to grow, it will get too big. There will be a bunch of branches that have too many smaller branches, and so many apples will begin to grow that the branches will begin to break. And so you have to go in there, and you have to prune off a lot of the branches just to make sure that the tree can stand strong. In the same way, trees can grow so many branches that grow in all these different directions that it can block all of the sunlight from getting in into the tree. And so you have to go and cut the branches that are growing straight up to make sure that sunlight can actually reach to the apples. And then some branches will grow too many apples and you have to go and cut some of them off just to make sure the branch can hold the weight. And I thought I understood it pretty well until one day our boss came over to me and he's like, so who here speaks Spanish? Because um, we had a, a big population of, of people, that migrants that worked there, and I said, well, no, none of the other college students said anything. He's like, I, I took a year of it in college. He's like, good, because I need you to go explain to Jose. You're going to be his partner today, but he's not doing it right. And then he goes through this huge list of like all this stuff to explain in Spanish. Like, I can't even say apple. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Communication did not take place that day. Let's just put it that way. But, but our passage today is not about an apple orchard. It's about a vineyard. 
but it has those same principles of caring for a vineyard and pruning and being intentional to care for the vineyard of fruit. And so I'm just going to start reading. Our passage today is John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. My my desire for you today, as we kind of begin to unpack this, is twofold. The first part is that you will leave here today with a, a deep desire to abide in Christ. And secondly, that you'd have a a clear picture of what it looks like. And so as we kind of get into these first two verses, the way Jesus starts off this illustration of the vine and the branches is he starts off by saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. And, And so for this today, I just want you to imagine, basically, up here that we have a trellis all the way across, and that there's a vine going all the way across, and there's grapes growing on it. Because Jesus is, is giving an example to ancient Israel that would have had a lot of vineyards around. And so when he just says, basically, I want you to imagine a vineyard. I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. They would immediately begin to be able to imagine and view what he's talking about. The example here, if he was here today, it would have been something about a farm. Because you see all of these things and you know what it looks like because you're surrounded by it. And that's what it was like for them with vineyards. And so what he says here is, I am the vine. I'm the true vine. I am the conduit through which life flows. And my father is the gardener. My father is the one who cares for the life of this vine. And Israel, the Israelites would have been able to basically begin to imagine and see in their minds immediately just pictures throughout their lifetime of people caring for vineyards. You see, it's a very hands-on, intentional process. It's not like you just plant a vine and let it go and it's going to produce all of these grapes and then you can just go pick them and have lots of wine. It's this daily process of making sure you, you care well for it. Because what happens with this this big vine that grows here, if you were just to begin to let it grow on its own, what happens is it begins to grow this huge canopy of leaves over top of it. And if you just let that basically go by itself, then it will completely cover all of the grapes and it will not receive any sunlight and they will not ripen. And so the gardener has to go and he has to cut all of these leaves off of the top. And even as he does that, there's still so many leaves that can get so big that if the gardener doesn't go in there and cut some of these other leaves off, 
that they will basically begin to absorb all of the nutrients of the vine. And so the gardener has to cut the canopy of leaves off. He has to go cut these other leaves off. In the same way, when, when clusters of grapes begin to grow, sometimes leaves can basically wrap themselves around the clusters. And if those leaves aren't pulled away from the clusters, then the grapes can mold because they'll get too moist and they won't ripen because there's no sunlight getting in. In the same way, as the apple trees, too many grapes can grow in one area of the vine. And if that happens, then the grapes will not get very big and they won't get very juicy because there'll be too many grapes that will be taking the nutrients. And so the gardener has to go in and he has to cut off some of the bunches of grapes that are growing to make sure that some of the grape clusters will get big and juicy and actually be able to be producing a fruit that's worthwhile. So when Jesus says, I I am the vine and my father is the gardener, what he's saying is he's giving everyone who's listening this image of my father is intimately involved in the life of the vineyard. He's out there walking through it every day. He's taking stock of it. He's taking interest in it. He's cutting off, making sure that every single basically cluster of grapes is receiving sunlight, it's receiving air. But, but the image that Jesus is portraying here, it's not just about a vineyard. It, it's about our spiritual lives. He's saying, my Father is intimately involved in your life. He's constantly out there every day, walking around, see, seeing what you're doing, seeing what's going on, making sure that, that things are being pruned so that sunlight can get into these areas, making sure that you can produce fruit. My father is the gardener. It's this picture of a heavenly father who's excited by your spiritual growth. Jesus continues on in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And so in the same way that that Jesus elaborates basically on his father being the gardener and giving that image, now he's saying, I want you to think again about me being the vine. And so as you imagine basically this trellis up here that has a vine growing across it and has branches coming out of it, it's this image of the vine is, is the source of life that flows through it. And if a branch is not connected to the vine, there is no way it is going to be bearing any fruit. And Jesus is saying, that's what life is like. I am the vine. I am the source of life, I am the source of nutrients, and if a branch, if you are not connected to me, there's not a chance that you're going to be bearing fruit. Your life will be like a branch that is laying on the ground that that doesn't serve a purpose. And it's important to, to remember in this passage that this metaphor that Jesus is talking about in this example, the context is it's about bearing fruit. That's what he's talking about. He, he, he wants his disciples to bear fruit. He wants us to bear fruit. And it's important to remember this because pruning is not an image of being cut off from an eternal relationship with Jesus. 
And sometimes these passages can be, the, the metaphors taken to an extent that Jesus is not intending. And what, what he's intending to mean here, what he's talking about, is bearing fruit. And so in this, what he's saying is not remaining in Christ, not abiding in Christ. You are a danger of having a life that is of no eternal value, that produces no fruit. That your life will be like a branch that is laying on the ground, disconnected from true life. Producing fruit is important, though. And that's why Jesus is, is calling us to think about this topic. Is he, he's giving us an exhortation to be intentional to remain, or you could use the word abide, in Him. Which is this continuous dependence and longing and desire and, and just wanting to be in relationship with Him and be connected to Him. That's this, this message. It's, it's an intentional effort to remain. That's what abiding is. And so I want to pause here and ask this question. What is your motivation to abide in Christ? What is your de- the desire inside of you to remain in Him? Because I imagine a lot of you are like me. I grew up my entire life in the church. I, I don't remember a time in my life that I did not believe that Jesus Christ is the faith in Jesus Christ and His completed work on the cross, His death, burial, and resurrection is, is the only way to receive eternal life. But, but at the same time, the, the gospel I remember growing up with was, you're saved from hell, here's your get-out-of-hell-free card, and now you're supposed to be a better person. And yet there's so much more that goes into the gospel message. That is the gospel, but it's so much more full than that. You see, we have a, a creator God who is one God, but exists in three persons, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Trinity has been in eternal relation with one another. And God has purposed to create mankind so that we could enjoy a relationship with Him for all of eternity. And that's what He has offered to us. It is this eternal relationship with Him. That's why it says in John 17, 3, this is eternal life that you may know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. And it's not just the, the eternal life, it, it's meant to be abundant. John 10, 10, I come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Where, where it's been God's plan since the creation of the world to invite us into relationship with Him and to enjoy Him for all of eternity. And and so to imagine what this looks like, I want you to imagine with me, this will not be too hard for you to desire this, I want you to imagine with me right now uh, a picture of like the Cancun. So just beautiful water, and you're at this um, massive resort that has one of those infinity pools, you know, that you stand there and you look at it and it looks like it's going straight out into uh, the water. And you're standing before this pool, and it's warm and it's nice, and you're getting ready to go into this pool. But the pool is not full of just water. The pool is full of God's grace for you. The, the type of grace that, that you wake up with in the morning and you're okay with who you, who you are who God made you to be, where you're comfortable 
with your gifts and your talents. And the pool is full of God's goodness, where you wake up every single morning and you get to just constantly think about all the things God has done for you and all the ways he's been good to you in your life. And the pool is full of God's love for you, that, that, that as, just as you even get over to it and you begin to put your foot down into it, you just begin to feel the love of God basically flow up through your leg in, into your life and you just feel his acceptance and value of you. And the pool is full of joy and this peace that trusts in the sovereignty of God. And so you walk over to this pool full of all these things and you put your foot into it and then you put your next foot into it, and you begin to slowly descend down into this water. And as you do, all of these feelings begin to basically flow up over you until you're down into your neck, and you're just completely surrounded by God's grace for you, His love for you, His goodness for you, His joy, His peace. And you can just sit there and rest in that. that that's an image of why we should desire to abide in Christ because that's what he longs for us to have every single day. That, that enjoyment of a relationship with him, that enjoyment of who he is. These are the, to be our motivation. It's our motivation to abide in Christ is to experience the life of Christ we were created to experience. To experience that relationship with God for which he created us for. And so we ask the question next, well, what does this look like? Verse 7 and 8 continue. If you remain in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Well, what he says here is, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. But one of the clearest ways we're called to abide in Christ is to remain in the Word of God, to have it in our minds and hearts throughout the day, to, to be meditating on it, to allow it to be conforming the way we think, to, to allow it to basically sink down into our heart to affect what we desire, what we long for, what we want to do throughout the day, how we want to spend our time, at work, at home, at the store. It affects the things we pray for. The war, when the Word of God begins to sink down into our lives, it, it affects how we pray and what we pray for. And in verse 8, it goes, and, and this is, will be the fruit of this, this is the, the result of these things, abiding in the Word. This is to my Father's glory. One, it will glorify God. Two, that you will bear much fruit. And three, that you will show yourselves to be my disciples. You see, this is where, where Jesus is beginning to unpack more and more of, this is his longing for us as his disciples, is that we would bear fruit. I want to just give us an example of what does this look like? What does it look like in an average life, to, to abide in Christ. And so what I want to do is I want to give a comparison of two different guys, George and Sam, and one of them will abide, 
and one of them will not. And so George, he wakes up one morning, he has his alarm set because every morning he, he tries to, to read the Word of God before he gets going on his day. But this day he wakes up and he's very tired. And George goes, I, I just don't want to do it today. And so he hits snooze and he rolls over. And so a little while later, he gets up, he goes in, and he's still kind of groggy, and as he's sitting down to eat his breakfast, he, he picks up his phone, and he looks at it, and he has a text message from one of his siblings, and they're saying, hey, our close relative, um, their health just took a turn for the worse, they're not going to make it much longer. And in that moment, he just has this overwhelming despair come over him, and a hopelessness, and he just doesn't even know how to respond. And so he puts his phone down, and it kind of just sucks the life out of him. He gets ready for school. He gets all the kids ready, and he's like, come on, come on, let's get ready for school. He gets them in, and he starts driving to, to school, and he's standing, you know those lines of cars that you have to wait in to drop your kids off? He's just standing there waiting, and, and he's kind of just thinking about this close relative, and as he's doing that, there's some space that kind of gets between him and the car in front of him, and somebody else just zooms in and pulls into that little space, and they skip the entire line. And, and his hands start to sweat, and he's like, <laughs> and he kind of grips the steering wheel a little bit. He's like, okay, okay. I'm, and then, and now, his despair has turned to anger. And he goes to work, and now he's having this a pretty much terrible day where, he, where he's angry, um, and he's sad. And there's this one person at work who comes in almost at five days a week, pretty much every day, and will just dump stuff on his desk and be like, here, you can just take care of this. And sure enough, he, he sits down, he hasn't been there 20 minutes, this guy walks in, and he's like, oh good, George, you're here. Here, take care of this stuff. And he dumps it on his desk, and he's just, now anger has almost turned to rage, where he's just like, <laughs> and, he, and he barely can stay calm. Throughout the morning, he just kind of is constantly thinking about um, his close relative. He's still kind of replaying what he wanted to say to the person in the car line. And he gets up and he walks out into the hallway and there's these two coworkers he always has and they're always arguing about something. And they're arguing about something again today and he just loses it and he blows up on him. He's like, are you guys kidding me? Get to work. This is ridiculous. And, and he just blows up. At the end of the day, he goes home. He gets ready for bed. And as he gets into bed, he says, God, where were you today? Where were you today? Now, let's contrast that with Sam. Sam, in the same way, he sets his alarm every single day because he wants to get up in the morning and read the Word of God, and, and he wakes up, and on this morning, he's extremely tired, and he's like, I don't know if I really want to do this today. And as he's sitting there, kind of thinking, if, am I going to get up or am I going to hit snooze, he has this image pop into his mind of a branch laying on the ground, cut off from the vine, withered and dried up. And he has this realization of, that is not what I want my day to look like. And he imagines the vine that, that has life and, and just a picture of this branch being connected and producing fruit. And he's like, that's what I long for. And so he just opens up the Word of God and he reads just a few verses. He reads Matthew 5, verses 3 through 9. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And Sam just says a quick prayer, and he says, God, I just ask that you would basically help me abide in your word today. Sam goes in, he sits down to eat his breakfast, and while he's sitting there, one of his siblings texts him and said, our close relative's health is failing, they won't last very long. And he begins to have this despair come over him. And in, as he's basically sitting there, the, the, the words, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, come to mind. And he just begins to ask God to comfort him in that moment as he begins to mourn the situation. He's able to text his sibling back and say, man, I'm so sad this morning. This verse is an encouragement to me. I hope it's an encouragement to you. He gets up, he gets in his car, gets the kids ready, and and he begins to drive to school. He drives to school, he's still thinking about the situation. There's a space in between him and the car in front of him because he's kind of daydreaming, he's not being up where he should. And this car begins to, pulls in right in front of him, and he has the same thing, sweaty palms, kind of anger, oof. And and the next thing he has is the the phrase from the Word of God, um, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And he has this realization of how much patience and mercy and grace has God shown me in my life? Show me a lot of mercy. Uh, I can extend mercy here. And he's able to release that anger and that tension to the Lord. He, he goes to work, and he sits down, and every single day there's always this one guy who comes in his dump stuff on his desk, and he has to take care of this mess. And sure enough, this guy does it again. He comes in, dumps stuff on his desk, and he's just like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And he gets back out the Word of God, and, and he reads, uh, once again, the same verses, and he reads, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And he begins to go, oh, God, I want to see you today. Show me what it looks like to be pure right now. He begins to work through that stuff, and as he gets up to take a break, he's walking down the hall, and there's these two people who are always arguing with one another. Sure enough, they're out there arguing, and in that moment, he wants to go kind of scold them, and the Word of God comes to mind again, blessed are the peacemakers. And he's able to go, God, show me what it looks like to be a peacemaker. And he walks over there and he says, guys, what's going on? And one of them kind of yells his opinion. The other one yells his opinion. Guys, guys, you work at the same company. You have the same mission. Like, you're saying the same thing in different ways. And he's able to, to spread peace in that situation. He goes home. At the end of the day, his brother or his sibling emails him back or texts him and says, thank you so much for that verse this morning. And his coworker he gets a hold of him and says, why, why didn't you even reach out and say anything? And he was able to say, because the word of God says that peacemakers will be blessed. You see, why I give the example I do in this case is both of these men experience the exact same days, but they had a completely different outcome. They experienced the day completely different. And God was glorified in a different way. And one of them produced fruit. And at the end of the day, people looked at his life and basically they saw what what John 15 promises. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
And that's what happened in the life of Sam. He experienced the exact same day as George, but he's able to give glory to God. He was able to abide in the Word throughout the day. And at the end of the day, people were able to see, man, you, you're different because he's a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was comforted by God and was able to comfort others. He demonstrated patience, and he clung to the Word of God in the midst of stress and anxiety. You see, that's what the, this passage today, when Jesus gives this example of abiding in Christ, abiding in Him, remaining in the vine, it, it's a calling for us as the followers of Jesus to be intentional to remain in Him, to abide in Him, to seek out His Word throughout the day, to constantly have it on our minds and our hearts, conforming the way we interact with those around us and calling us to prayer and calling us to life with Him. As I begin to wrap up, I just want to close with a few questions. And the first one is this. What would it look like for you to intentionally abide in Christ today? As you get up and you go out, What's going to take for you to be abiding and remaining in Christ throughout the day? Tomorrow morning when you wake up and you get ready for the day, what is it going to take for you? What is it going to look like for you to abide? And the same for the rest of the week. See, my longing and my desire for you is that you would have that desire to abide and remain in Him. That you'd have that image of the infinity pool of basically sinking down into the grace and goodness and love and joy and peace of God and desiring to remain there throughout the day. It won't change the circumstances of your day, but it will completely change how you view them and how much fruit Jesus Christ can produce through you. How, how much eternal value your day will have. You see, we, we as followers of Christ are called to abide and remain in Him for our own joy, for our own goodness, and for the glory of God. Every day, do you abide and remain in Him? Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that you um, give us metaphors like this. And we thank you that no matter how much we study the Word of God, we will never fully <laughs> know everything there is to know, that you will be teaching us more about you our entire lives on this earth. I just ask that today you would give us a deep desire to, to know you more fully, to know your Word more fully, and that we just leave here with the desire to want to get into your Word and have your words conform our hearts and minds. I just ask that um, we would all leave here today with that. As we worship you now, I just ask that you would just fill us with your joy and your peace and your excitement. We just pray these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.